Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. How are you feeling this morning, buddy? Feeling pretty good, man. You said you got a lot of energy. I didn't stay out that late. You gotta have a lot of energy to explain why everything that you said last week was incorrect. Excuse me? Just looking at the rundown, it's just like, this isn't what we said was gonna happen last week. All right, week. you know what? Let's just start the f-ing show. <laughs> Let's do it. Welcome in What's Right, Nick Wright podcast, YouTube show, episode number 72. By the way, a quick note for the folks also watch the TV show. Uh, thanks to the time change of the show to the afternoons and some soccer that's coming up as the World Cup is right around the corner. We actually won't be back on television until Tuesday, which means now is a great time to be checking out the podcast and the YouTube show because it's going to be the first place you can hear my thoughts on this weekend's football. And we, of course, have the gambling show coming out tomorrow. But, Demonze, I'm fired up for today's show. There's a lot we got to get into. But as we always do, before we get into our lead story, here are the stories that did not make the cut for today's show. First thing that we're not discussing is Mayweather-McGregor 2 tees. I might have been interested in that five years ago. Mike Evans' suspension upheld. I am going to say something on that briefly. It's just ridiculous. First of all, the NFL should have incorporated the fact he was protecting Tom Brady, which is what they want him to do. Second of all, he didn't throw a punch. Lattimore didn't get hurt. He didn't swing a helmet. You didn't have to suspend him. Third of all, it's America's game of the week, Bucks Packers. Who was clamoring for Mike Evans to be suspended? Stupid. And on a serious note, looks like Ime Udoka, the coach of your basketball team, Demonze, is going to be suspended. I read Woj's story. They talk about an inappropriate, consensual relationship with a female team employee. I The reason we're not talking about that today is I feel like we have about 3% of the information on what is a serious topic, so we're aware of it, and I don't feel comfortable until we get the real information discussing the basketball side of it, like what does this mean for the Celtics and all that. So we're aware of it, but we're not going to get into it until there's real deep reporting on it. What we can get into is Demonte experiencing the third stage of gambling grief. He's experienced stage one in the Ravens game, betting the right side, already spending the winnings in your head, and then having it stolen from you. Stage two was in the Bengals game where he bet the wrong side. It was dead from the very beginning. And I warned you, stage three was going to be one of the most painful, where you nail a pick, you have it exactly right, you're talked out of betting it, 
and then you realize how much money you could have made. So we're starting with the bills. Go ahead. I should have heeded your warning. Yeah. But the bills. You love- shouldn't have heeded my warning. You I did sh- heed my warning of not betting it. And therefore, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like if I heeded your warning, mm-hmm. you were warning me that I was going to call it and get it directly correct. Right. OK. Yeah, that's correct. I did tell you that you're right about, about that a little bit differently. I feel no, no, like- no. You, you, you're right. But I also warned you not to bet anymore because you lost all that money in week one, which, by the way, or week two, which, by the way, I got something. you owe me a little bit still is still a little bit. And the, <laughs> juice, the juice starts running after a week. So you got two days. I have to subtract juice free. All right. Go ahead. Bills. Days. The Bills blew out the Titans 41-7. to Remember, I predicted this on the last pod. They mm-hmm. win by 17. They obviously way overachieved. Yeah. On first things first, you said that you're still not completely in on the Bills yet. Am I already a better better than you, by the way? That's what it kind of seems like. Oh, this is beginners. First of all, because you get the Bills game right. I didn't even you tell you right. that that I wasn't going to. That wasn't Bills just the Bills game, but let's. let's okay, go ahead. All right. uh, are, you just, are you a Bills hater because you're a Chiefs fan? All right. So, first of all, this is where. I'm going to get a little frustrated. Okay. Because my colleagues on the TV show misrepresent me. And now you, my son, and the producers of the podcast are misrepresenting me. I have not said I am not completely in on the bills yet. I have simply said I do not think they should be anointed the favorites. We have seen this in the NFL before, where there are two great teams in a conference. Two Two examples stick out to me. And in order for the little brother team to be considered the favorite, they've got to go beat the big brother. So Cowboys Niners in the 90s, they were the two best teams by far. The Cowboys repeatedly beat them in the playoffs in the early 90s. Now, 1994, the Niners got them. But a couple things happened. One is the Cowboys lost their coach. The other is Deion Sanders went to the San Francisco 49ers. So you can say, ah, Von Miller went to the Bills. I don't look at that as quite the same jump. Dion was still the, the single best corner in football. But even when that happened, and the Niners did get them that year, they were not throughout the season. It's like, oh, Cowboys done. It's the Niners time. I'm going to give you another example. Patriots Colts in the early 2000s. The Patriots would kick their teeth in in the playoffs and The Colts eventually got theirs, and so more on that in a moment. Colts eventually got over the hump and beat them. Great second-half comeback. I think it was 21-3 or 20-3 at halftime. The Patriots are going to beat them for the third straight playoffs, and then Peyton came all the way back the year. Peyton won his first Super Bowl. But throughout the year, no one was anointing the Colts because they hadn't beat the Patriots yet. I am not sitting here saying the Bills are not good. I am not sitting here doubting Josh Allen as I did last year when I called him roller coaster Josh Allen. What I am saying is that the Chiefs, in my opinion, have earned the right to be AFC favorites until proven otherwise. Now, I understand the Bengals beat them but in last year's playoffs, but nobody's picking the Bengals over the Chiefs right now. They're picking the Bills. Two years ago, when the Chiefs were defending Super Bowl champions, I had to listen, oh, got to watch out for the Bills. And the Chiefs kicked their teeth in in the AFC Championship game. Last year, when the Chiefs had been to -to back-to-back Super Bowls, won the conference two years in a row, I had to hear, oh, better watch out for the Bills. And they couldn't hold a three-point lead for 13 seconds. And then in overtime, they couldn't get a stop. And now, when the Chiefs are 2-0, 
Mahomes has played perfect football, at least statistically. I understand he had a few could have been interceptions. More on that in a moment. Right. I got to listen to the Bills are head and shoulders better than everybody. Why? So you're just saying they have to beat the Chiefs first. They got to beat the Chiefs. You got it. And you're acknowledging that they're a great football team. I think there's they're the second or third best team in football. I the we mentioned Mayweather McGregor in boxing. If there were two awesome heavyweights and they fought the first time and the champ knocked him out in six rounds, they fought a second time and it was real close. It went to the cards, but the champ won a unanimous decision. There would be nothing the contend the number one contender should be able to do before the third fight to be considered better until he beats the champ. Beat the f-ing champ, Buffalo. That's all I'm saying. Wait, also, right, so when are they playing? <laughs> well, they play in uh, week six, I think. But that I, they beat him in the regular season last year. I don't care about that. You got to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. You just okay. have to. It, second of all, I, I got a couple other things on this. One is everyone's like, oh, my God. Buffalo's been so impressive. And they have. They've blown out two teams. Yeah. I would argue, while the Chiefs have not been as dominant from a margin perspective, the Chiefs have played the tougher Better competition. Team. Yeah. And if, what everyone is saying is, oh, Buffalo blew out the defending Super Bowl champion Rams and the number one seed from last year, Titans. All right, let's talk about that for a Titans minute. Titans are clearly The Titans are trash. Right. They are trash. Don't give me that they were the number one seed last year. Yeah. And I believe the Chargers are better than the Rams. But at the very least, that's yeah. close. Yeah. Everyone knows the Cardinals are better than the Titans, right. who are terrible. So there's that. And then the other thing that frustrates me is this. Josh Allen week one. And by the way, the Bills, I, they've been dominant. They were dominating against the Titans. And they were dominant in the second half against the Rams. That game was 10-10 at halftime against the Rams. But neither here nor there. Josh Allen week one. Throws a two picks. The first one, it bounced off the receiver's chest. And I got Chris Collinsworth saying, oh, that's a, we need to call it and make a new category. NHFs, not his fault interceptions. Week two, Mahomes almost <laughs> throws a pick, or a couple actually, and I'm hearing people, oh, you know, those really should. So Mahomes non-picks, folks <laughs> want to call picks. Josh Allen's actual picks, folks, like, take them off the board. I It just, I the week one, I heard Collinsworth say, try to create a new stat category for him. And I like Collinsworth a lot. Week two, Orlovsky, right before Josh Allen threw the strike, I think it was to Stephon Diggs for like 50 yards down the middle. He overthrew the fullback on a wheel route down the sideline. And Orlovsky said, and I quote, that might be the greatest incomplete pass I've ever seen. Like, can we all <laughs> just take a breath? That's all. So He's it's him. It's not that I'm a, it's not that I'm a Bills hater. It's that the entirety of my media colleagues are crowning the Bills at 20 and 0 already. And I'm not ready to do it. Next. We'll see in week six. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles destroyed the Vikings. Sadly for oh, yeah, you. Yeah, I got this one wrong too. Jalen Hurts played amazingly, though. He's yeah. 10 and 1 to win the MVP. Yep. You say the. Ten to, just so you ten, know. 10 to 1 to ten win to the one. MVP. Yep. Go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Uh, you say the Eagles are going to win the division by three games. Yep. 
Is there a scenario where your 25th best quarterback is winning MVP? Okay, so a few things. Six weeks ago on the spot, you guys asked me about the Eagles. I'm like, calm down. They're not going to win the division with that quarterback. Right. Then Dallas dealt with the injuries. I dug into it a little bit more. And in my official preseason predictions, I had the Eagles winning the division by a game. Right. Then Dallas looked as horrible as they did in week one. And now, and again, you're listen, I didn't have a great gambling weekend. I understand <laughs> that. And Philly has looked awesome. Right. And so I do believe Dallas is going to win, the, or I'm, Philly's going to win the division. And I said by three games, because I think Philly looks like an 11-win team. And I don't think Dallas or the Giants, who play each other this weekend, and by the way, the Giants after this weekend, they get the Bears. Giants could be 4-0. Even if they get to 4-0, they're not good. I, I, they, they are not a good team. They still employ Daniel Jones. So I don't believe either of those teams are going to be above 500. What is interesting for Philly is, did I underrate Jalen Hurts? I'm open to that possibility. Thus far, it looks like I did. I need to see a little bit more. What they did on Monday night was super impressive. He played a really good game against a team that I believe is a good team. And right now, there is a spot where, to my eyes, the... Eagles are head and shoulders better than every other team in the AFs in the NFCs. And so can he win MVP? I can't say it's impossible. It would be shocking to me if he keeps up this level of play. Keeps up this level of play, he can win MVP. Right. Can they make the Super Bowl? I'm not going to dismiss it as a possibility because the Niners now have a ceiling because Jimmy's their quarterback. The Rams have been shaky the whole time. The Packers have been shaky. The Bucks' offense isn't on track. It's hard to find that Wait, NFC so juggernaut. Can I ask a question real yeah. quick? So you say the Niners have a ceiling because they have Jimmy G as quarterback. Mm-hmm. This might be getting off topic a little You're bit. You're right. But, so, but when they had Trey Lance, they didn't have a ceiling. They were Because I, I feel so like here, you said that there was, there was your Super Bowl team. It, yes, correct. They were, yes. And now with Jimmy G. With Jimmy G, they are more likely to be good right now. You Jimmy G's played six career playoff games, has played poorly in all six. Okay. Has never outplayed the opposing team's quarterback in a single playoff game. When they made the Super Bowl, they had a dominant defense. Now they have a very good defense. They lost some player personnel for right. the defensive year. So Jimmy G, it, Trey Lance, way, way lower floor than Jimmy G. By the end of the season, I felt a higher ceiling. No go. Jimmy G, we know what we're getting. Right. I, I see. And More so, of a developed player. Right. And so I it's not that I'm guaranteeing Trey Lance is going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But the unknown when the known is, I you know, I've tried to use this example. The example I used with Colin was this. If you were in a race, New York to LA, and you've been in that race every year for the last five years, and you've driven the same car, and every single time. That car, whether you're winning the race, middle of the pack, wherever it is, right around Phoenix, craps out. Can't get there. And I say year six, take that same car, or there's this sports car I built. I think it can win the race. It also might crap out before you get to Kansas City. Which would you choose? The one that you know is reliable, but you have half decade of evidence, can't get you to the finish line, 
or the unknown. Nice and Where you might, it might blow up before you even get to Philadelphia, or you could win the race. I would argue option B, take the unknown. And so that's my, so do I think, I think the Niners, because the NFC is actually even a little worse than I had thought it was going to be, could still make the Super Bowl. We'll see. But I have, I, I think their ultimate ceiling went down with Jimmy Garoppolo being their quarterback. All right, next. Robert Sarver is looking to sell the Suns and Mercury. Yeah. Sarver is known as one of the worst owners in professional sports history. Yep. But Phoenix always attracts free agent interest for some reason. Yeah. If he sells the team to somebody competent, could this change the trajectory of their, uh, uh, where are we at? The landscape. The, of the, the, NBA. N- the NBA landscape. Yeah, Sorry. 100%. <laughs> oh, God. It's not just that he's a terrible guy. And we've talked Sarver before. It, it's, I, LeBron, the NBA PA, Chris Paul, and others put pressure on him to sell. Because the NBA said one-year suspension, 10 million bucks. Right. LeBron came out and said the league got it wrong. Other guys and Sarver got shamed enough, and he's going to walk away with a few billion dollars. Folks are going to be like, ah, he's getting canceled. Bought the team for less than half a billion. Ran it terribly, incredibly cheaply. Sexually harassed men and women, allegedly. Used the N-word repeatedly, allegedly was just a misogynistic, racist creep, allegedly. And now he's going to walk away, you know, with like $3 billion. I think he'll be okay. Uh, but having, if Be- they're talking about Bezos might want to buy it. Or Larry Ellison, the Oracle guy. Having, even by rich guy standards, one of the richest guys buy a team, absolutely can change landscape. It's not just you change the organizational culture. It's that you also, everything will be nicer. Facilities will be nicer. You're not going to worry about the luxury tax. In the early 2000s, mid-2000s, when the Suns were right on the cusp, kept making the Western Conference Finals with Steve Nash. Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Joe Johnson was there briefly, Sean Marion. They were this close to being making the finals. Sarver sold a first-round pick. Didn't trade it. Sold it. Like, a team was like, I'll give you a few million bucks for your first-round pick. He's like, done. Hey, the, so. Wow. Yeah. So, absolutely, this could change the landscape of the league. Having this type of money come into a team that's notoriously cheap, won't pay the luxury tax. They got in that pissing match with DeAndre Ayton last summer because of this. 100%. Uh, and so, I find it really interesting. It also, sidebar, is going, so the Clippers sold, but they're in L.A., Balmer overpaid. And you know what I mean? That was after Sterling got first forced out, right? Right. It also is going to be an interesting litmus test for how much money Bron and his group are going to need when they want to buy a team. Yeah. And are they going to have to buy a team, or is the NBA going to expand to Vegas and Seattle, and you just have to pay like a franchise fee? Because as rich as Braun is, he doesn't have multiples of billions. So I know he could have a group around it. You know what I mean? Right. Other people. But I think it's going to be very interesting to see what this team sells for. Very interesting. All right. I want to talk about the Favre thing. Demonte's going to set it up in a moment. My guess is we're going to spend about five minutes on it. I don't think what I'm going to say on the Favre thing is political at all. But if you're here just for the sports... Come back for the top of the B block and we're going to talk Aaron Judd. 
Now, Demonze, go ahead. But it's going to be about five minutes with you, my guess. We're going to go over time again. My apologies. Go yeah. ahead and set me up. You cut some things out of the rundown. Yeah. And the top of the A's or the bottom of the A's, should I say, yeah. to talk about Favre. So what yeah. is it that you got to say about him? Are you talking about how it's not getting any coverage? Well, so here's the thing. There's two points I want to make here. One is about the media, and the other is about Favre and what these folks did. There's been a lot of Twitter chatter that, you know, Mike Vick and and the dog fighting thing was A1 news on all the shows on all the networks for months. Right. And it seems like Shannon Sharp and I are the only people in sports media that give a shit about this Favre story. Does that feel hypocritical? The answer to that is yes and no. The yes is, listen, Favre is one of the greatest football players ever. He is alleged, and it's very compelling. Shout out to the Mississippi Free Press, which has done a wonderful job covering this story, to have helped misallocate funds. And everyone's calling it, you know, welfare money. It's really T-A-N-F money, which if you know what that stands for, it really zeroes in on how awful and amoral this is. T-A-N-F stands for Tax Assistance for Needy Families. We short the shorthand for that is welfare that money being redirected upwards of six million bucks some in Favre's pocket and a lot of it to so his daughter at Southern Miss can get a fancy volleyball stadium and he can get credit for it that six million is just part of a 77 million dollar overall TANF money misallocated in Mississippi the poorest state in the country okay that's the general strokes of it the reason I'm not going to crush the media as much as others is, the more salacious stories will always get more headlines. And dogfighting and the way, and the... It's almost boring. This story is almost boring. Just even me explaining what TANF is, the money and the misallocation, it's a little complex and a little boring and not as salacious. So I wouldn't have expected it to get quite the coverage the dogfighting thing did. But... It shouldn't be a hundred to one. Right. It shouldn't be this big of a discrepancy, especially because Favre, for a period of time, was the single most famous football player in the world. He's still one of the most popular football players ever. So does it feel like he's getting protected? Does it feel like some of the media folks are not as apt to jump on this story? Does it feel like there's assuredly a bit of a racial component to it? Yes, all of those things are true. That is not what is particularly galling to me, however. And this is the part that I want us to put on social. Because what is most galling to me about the Favre story is not just the media hypocrisy or the lack of coverage or the lack of interest. It's that the worst case scenario for Favre is uh, my guess is he does actual jail time and it's less than 18 months. This is a multi-million dollar fraud and where the media consistently misses the boat is we, how many stories have I had to read since the pandemic or see on the news 
about the plague of shoplifting across this country. I can't go to the CVS down the street here. I went there the other day. Every single item. Yeah, I got to call someone over to unlock because they have done a really good job of getting that out in the media that, oh my goodness gracious, we are, we're dying on the vine here because people are stealing razors and soap. By the way, fun fact, that company that I just mentioned, I looked it up this morning, the entire list of American companies with more revenue last year than them. Walmart, Amazon, Apple. They're number four. 300 and some billion dollars in revenue. 10, around 10 billion in profit. And consistently, the media tries to convince us that the people going in our pocket are the poorest, most desperate people. Now, I don't have any tolerance either for the, when you see like almost the flash mobs of folks going into the Gucci store, the Louis Vuitton store, and, you know, 40 folks come in, steal stuff and run out. That, those, that's just theft. That's just criminals. The folk and the folks that out of partic- usually some level of desperation are trying to slip a few personal hygiene products in their pocket. And we all get that media coverage. It, it, it's wall to wall, an epidemic of shoplifting. This is over $75 million of Mississippians' own money. It is taxpayer money, money that is taken out of their checks to try to help the poorest, most desperate people. And allegedly, the goddamn governor, a nonprofit, the most famous Mississippian maybe ever, are all so casual about the theft, they're texting about it. They're breaking the Stringer Bell rule. They're taking notes on a criminal conspiracy because they know that nobody really cares. And that even if they are caught red-handed, it's not going to be that that covered. That's the that's the infuriating part. That's the part where we all got to get our minds right. We are we have been tricked so long that the poor person going in our left pocket stealing a couple dollars is the problem and the rich person and the corrupt politicians and the systems in place going in our right pocket for a hundred dollars. Eh, you know, that's just America. It's just the cost of doing business. It's maddening. And so, yeah, I do think it should get more coverage, of course. But what I would rather happen is us be less hyperventilate a little bit less about the things the most desperate people in our society do to get by, some of whom might not be shoplifting if their welfare checks came through when they're struggling instead of going to build a volleyball stadium so Brett Favre can say, oh, look at what a good guy I am. Talk Aaron Judge's 60th home run next. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. 
From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, welcome back in What's Right, Nick Wright, episode number 72. Let's get right into it, Demonze. We went overtime once again in the A block. Now, I know you guys are going to want to blame me, but I settled in previous show. Maybe we need to lengthen the clock on the A block. Nobody listened to me on it, so we went overtime. Not my fault, but, you know, I'm going to blame others for my own inaction. All right, go ahead. What are we starting with? We're breaking tradition, and we're talking a little baseball. Oh, yeah. Yep, Aaron Judge tied Babe Ruth with his 60th home run of the season. Yeah. With 15 games left to play, he's bound to hit 61. Yep. After Maris, Judge only has cheaters ahead of him in the all-time list. Yep. Should Judge be considered the all-time leader in home runs when he passes Maris, or do juicers deserve their place in the record books? All right, he's not. Listen, ahead of him will be four Sammy Sosa seasons or three Sammy Sosa seasons couple Maguire seasons, and Bonds is 73, okay? And I think he's, you know, maybe four Sosa seasons, one Maguire season, one Bonds season, whatever it is. Right now, Maris is seven. And when Judge passes him, Judge will be seven. The single-season home run record is Barry Bonds. It's 73. Steroids or no steroids, that's the record. However... One could make the argument this season is more impressive. And I'm not even talking steroids. What I'm talking about is the second place on home runs is at 40. Judges at 60. Nobody has had that type of gap between first and second place in home runs since Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth had back-to-back seasons where he had 35 more home runs. Then second place, 1920 and 1921. He had four seasons where he was at least 20 plus ahead of the next best guy. The fact that when Bonds hit 73, Sosa hit in the mid 60s. When McGuire hit 70, Sosa hit 66. We've never had anything like this in modern baseball history where one guy is so head and shoulders above everybody else. You add to it that as of recording, he's on track to win the Triple Crown meaning lead the league in home runs, RBIs, and batting average. You add to that that his team is staying afloat, not only staying afloat, but going to win the division thanks to him because the rest of the team hasn't played well in months. This is one of the most impressive seasons in baseball history. You add to that the fact that uh, he turned down $230 million this offseason because he bet on himself that he was going to have a monster year and he's having one of the greatest seasons ever. And at 30 years old, he's probably going to get north of $400 million. All those things put together. It's just one of the greatest years in modern baseball history, but that doesn't mean that he's the record holder. And I understand there's cheating and not cheating. So it's, it's kind of apples to oranges, but All things considered, I think Kobe's 81 was more impressive than Wilt's 100. But Wilt's 100 is the record and will remain the record. And so, no, I'm not taking Bonds out of the record books. But what I will say, what is cool, is Sosa, Bonds, and... Kind of different. 
what you said Wilt Chamberlain's 100 will always be like the record and yeah. Barry Bonds is yeah. always I think they're kind of different. Well, of course they're different because people look at Bonds as he got there by cheating. My point is it Kobe's 81 the degree of difficulty was higher than Wilt's 100. The context was different. It seems more impossible than Wilt's 100 because of who he was playing, the way that game was played, the fact that they were then scheming at the end just to get him 100 points, all of this stuff. I just think Kobe's 81 is a more impressive feat, but the record is Wilt. I think judges in today's baseball, 60, whatever he ends with, four, is more impressive than Bond 73 at the height of the steroid era when a lot of guys were hitting 60-plus. But it's still not the record. What? But with that said, what I was trying to say there is it is – Arguably more impressive, and the context of it make it makes it unforgettable. And where he's fortunate is Bond, Sosa, and McGuire all played in the National League, so he will have by himself maybe for decades the American League record. So the American League record has been Maris at sixty-one, Ruth at sixty. And so I'll have the Yankee record and the American League record maybe for the rest of my life, certainly for the next 10, 20, 30 years. So he has his own record. It's not the single season record. It might be more impressive than the single season home run total. Also, Pools might get 700, which is a whole nother thing that is just was unbelievable prior to the year. And I think he's going to get it. All right, next. What game will we play? Baseball. All right, it's time to play all in or fall. Let me just ask you before we play the game. Do you prefer the baseball talk or the tennis corner? I definitely prefer the baseball talk. Wow, that's an upset. Okay, next. Uh, um, the Ravens had an epic collapse on Sunday. Yeah, yeah tell us about it. Lamar was still looking good. You've been back in Baltimore very heavily in the preseason. Mm-hmm. All in or fold. The Ravens will be the number one, the number one seed in the AFC. I'm going to fold that. Folding. Already so banged up. I still think they'll win the division. I still think they're a super dangerous team, and they absolutely could be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl, but they got to get healthy. Last year, the injuries killed them. This year, what happened in that Miami game is two of their top corners were out. They're playing two rookie fourth-rounders at corner. They're also playing a rookie safety, and Tyree Kill's running wide open. So, And to get the one seed, you can't give away a 35-21 lead. So I'm still very high on the Ravens. The injuries concern, or 35-14 lead, I should say. The injuries concern me, but now I do I don't think that they're going to be able to have be, go 13 and four the way and at 13 and four at a minimum is what it's going to take right. to be the one seed. So I'm going to fold that next. All right. So the Packers beat up on the Bears. Minnesota looked terrible Monday night, but the Lions are the second highest scoring team in the NFL. Right yeah. Now. All in or fold, the Packers will win the NFC North title. I'm going to go all in on that. I I picked it before the year. Okay. I don't think the Packers have looked very good, but I think they will yeah, improve. But... I also think they're going to add a receiver. Keep your eyes out. If the Kenny, if Kenny Galladay and the Giants, that relationship continues to fray, keep your eyes out for Odell. I think they need to add a receiver. The Vikings have this Kirk Cousins ceiling. And they were so underwhelming on Monday night. It's just really hard to believe that they are going to win 12 games like I think it's going to take. I I think they're a playoff team, but I absolutely still like the Packers in the North. Next. 
All right, the Raiders are one of four 0-2 teams. Yeah. They collapsed last week as well. Josh McDaniels wasn't successful in Denver, and it doesn't look great so far. Yep. All in her fold. Josh McDaniels will be the Raiders' coach next year. I'm all in on that. Josh McDaniels will be the Raiders' coach next year. There's no chance they're firing him after one year. First of all, Mark Davis, the Raiders' owner, he is, by NFL ownership standards, poor. He is the, I think, probably has the least money of any owner. These coach contracts are guaranteed. So okay. you don't want to pay out. They're already, de- like, they're fighting Gruden in court to not pay him out. That's fine. I also don't know. It, McDaniels might end up doing a good job. Week one, they lost to the Chargers, but it was a one-possession game. They had the ball. Derek Carr had already had, he finished the game with four turnovers. Week two, that was an unforgivable collapse. I don't think they're a playoff team. I never thought they were a playoff team. But I do think that we are in a spot where they're not going to move on from him after one year. It's just not going to happen. So I'm all in. He'll be their coach next season. Next. All right. Believe it or not, the Dolphins are one of one of only six teams still be undefeated. All interfold. The Dolphins will win a playoff game. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, let's man. think about this. Just think about their quarterback, man. No, I know. But it was the... Could they make the playoffs? Yes. Could they win the division, though? No. So that means no matter what their record is, they're on the road in week one. Okay? So let's just, or week one of the playoffs. So let's just say, best case scenario for the Dolphins, right? The best case scenario for the Dolphins is that they get the number one wild card, so they're the five seed. So they would be going on the road to the worst division winner. That's probably going to come out of the AFC South. AFC South winner, I at this point, you know, you guys know I was high on Indy and Jacksonville. I think it's probably Jacksonville. Jacksonville? Oh, there you go. Well, let me read the question again. The Dolphins will win a playoff game. I'm going to fold that. Okay. If it was could win a playoff game, I'm open to that. I don't trust Tua. But I like their coach. I like their overall roster and the path of being the five seed. I do. I really believe in Tua to win a road playoff game. I don't, and I'm not even certain they're making the playoffs. But we can't dismiss what they've done as meaningless. We can't. As limited as Tua is, he has crazy weapons around him. We can't dismiss it as meaningless. So I'm gonna I'm gonna fold that they. W- I wouldn't bet them right now to make a pl- win a playoff game. Let me check real quick what their odds are right now to make the playoffs. Right now, via our friends at Fox Bet, I'm clicking on it. One second. Uh, make playoffs. Miami is... Ba-ba-ba. Minus 190 to make the playoffs. So they're saying they've got about a 60% chance to make the playoffs. That feels a little strong. Like, let's think about this for a second. Chiefs and Chargers are going to make it. Let's call it one team out of the AFC South. Okay. The Ravens out of the North. Even if you put the Bengals in two, which I would, that's still Lee and the Bills, there's still one open spot. So do you believe Denver or the Raiders are turning it around? No. Do you believe we're going to have two AFC South teams? Probably not. Do we, do we believe there's going to be three AFC North teams? That loss for Cleveland really hurt them. 
So, yeah, I mean, I guess I see why they're favorites to make the playoffs. So they could win a playoff game, but I'm picking them to win a playoff game. Okay. All right, last. All right, well, the Giants are 2-0, and and their next two games are at home against Cooper Rush's Cowboys and the Bears. They could easily be 4-0. and All in or fold, the Giants are making the playoffs. Fold. Yeah. Fold. There we go. I think they might get to 4-0. and They're not making the playoffs. I don't want to talk anymore about the Giants. They're, they're uninteresting. They bore me. I'm happy for Dable. I like Saquon. But they're it, it, when they're four and zero, will you still be able to say they're uninteresting? They're boring. Yeah, I will. Okay, I will. I'm predicting they go four. What if they're four and zero and the Chiefs are three and one? Won't matter. Won't matter. I'm predicting they go four and zero, and I'm predicting they miss the playoffs. Predicting both of those while recording. We actually now do have some breaking news on Ime Doka. Sus- likely suspended for the entire season. All right, we'll talk about that to wrap the show. That's next. What's right? Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, welcome back in. Final segment, What's Right in the Great Podcast YouTube show. Episode 72, Gambling Show, episode 73, coming out Friday. Going to be off television the next few days because we have soccer in the afternoon window on FS1 and World Cups coming up which I'm so excited about. Oh, oh, I just realized, Demonze, you think you didn't like the baseball talk. You know you didn't like the tennis talk. Wait till you get to Nick Wright soccer fan. <laughs> oh, you don't know this side of me. You've oh. been to one soccer game. Have I'm you sorry? Been to a soccer game before? You've been to like one? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just used to go to dozens sporting of sporting KC? KC games, first of all. Second of all. Dozens? Yeah, dozens. I used to go quite a bit. Partial season ticket holder, my friend. Uh, that's first Partial of all. Season second of all, second of all, I love international soccer. Love it. You think I'm playing all those hours of FIFA for for, for just enjoyment? God, we it's don't... also for educational purposes. So that's coming up on the show a few weeks from now. But so at the top of the show, I said there's this, you know, late last night, Woj tweeted that Ime Udoka, the coach of your team, was facing a possible team suspension. And then they said, then he got that it was for a consensual relationship with a team of team employee staffer. Woj just tweeted. And I just want to read the tweet verbatim. And I said, we didn't want to talk about it because we don't have enough information. And I didn't want to talk about what it meant for the Celtics because it would feel crass if like he was accused of doing something really awful. The tweet from Woj is, Boston Celtics coach Ime Udoka is likely facing a suspension for the entire season for his role in a consensual relationship with a female staff member, sources tell ESPN. A formal announcement is expected as soon as today. Assistant coach Joe Mazzula is likely to become Boston's interim coach for the season, sources tell ESPN. Remember, Danny Ainge hired away Will Hardy his number one assistant, the coach of the Jazz. That's now obviously something 
Celtics are regretting. I, I don't want to, we don't have enough information to really discuss this. And I know it was your team, but the, I don't want to talk about it from a basketball perspective. And I don't even want to put you in a position to say anything about it because in something like this, I want, we want to be very, very careful with what we say. But what I do feel comfortable saying is this. A season-long suspension for arguably the face of your franchise and a, it, knowing it's going to be public for what Woj is describing as a consensual relationship raises a lot of red flags to me about what's the real details of this story. And I yeah. listen, I, I understand Udoka is, you know, what has is in a very public relationship with the famous actress Neil Long. Yeah. Um, but something feels amiss here. And so I don't know what to do with it. I don't feel comfortable talking about what it means for the Celtics until we have more information on it. But there's there's got to be another piece to this, and I don't even want to speculate what that piece could be because right now these two, this square doesn't circle. And so Emo Udoka suspended for the year for what is currently being reported as, and I, I'll just read the tweet once again verbatim, from Woj, a consensual relationship with a female staff member. That is a shocking development. It will have real repercussions across the league from an on-court standpoint. A lot of people think the Celtics are the favorites. He obviously did a great job last year. And my guess is not by the time we do the gambling show, but by the time we're on the air next week, there will be more information here, and maybe this will crystallize a bit. But that, listen, we try to have fun in the final segment of the show, but this is breaking news as we're recording. So there's news. Emo Udoka suspended for the season. This was episode 72. We'll be back tomorrow with the gambling show and then a normal show on Monday or Tuesday. By the way, that's one other thing. We might be out on Monday. It might be Tuesday because I'm not on television Thursday, Friday, and Monday. Might take a little, you know, little me time. You know what I mean? A little trip to the spa, and by the spa, I mean a casino to be named later. We'll figure that out. We'll talk to you soon. What's right?